0: I want to lift out of the context of 1 John 4.17. Four little words that fall apart into three sets of three words each. And uh, you don't need to have an outline to talk about this because it's its own outline. You don't need four points in a poem. You've got it all right here. As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, not as he was, between the eternity of Jesus yesterday that never had a beginning and the eternity of tomorrow that never have an end, stands Jesus Christ the same. There's only one thing that Jesus ever was. He was dead, but he's not dead now. When they laid him away, I think Pilate and Herod and Caiaphas must have rubbed their hands and said, well, that takes care of him. But it didn't. He took care of himself. They had put a stone with seal on it and soldiers around it in front of that grave. But what are stones and seals and soldiers when an angel comes down from heaven and rolls away the stone, and then there's a touch of humor in it, I think, sat on it. As if to say, now look who's in charge around here. He came out. And uh, he said one day before Abraham was. He didn't say I was, I am. He's the eternal contemporary. John saw him in the flesh. And uh, saw him resurrected. Saw him glorified more ways than anybody else had seen him. But when he saw him glorified, it knocked him out. And it might knock us out some Sunday morning if we'd ever go to church and see him for a moment, as he really is. And uh, Jesus said, be of good cheer. I was here before there ever was anything to be afraid of, and I'll be here after everything you're scared of is gone. And he said, I've come to give you a preview of what's coming. And we're going to roll off the reel. And out he did. It ended up with the new Jerusalem coming down. Poor old John, remember, had sat out there on that rock in the ocean, water, water, everywhere. Tired of, it, never so tired of the sea. And the last word in this beautiful picture was, the new Jerusalem came down and there was no more sea. And I think he must have said, Lord, that's the best thing you've said yet. I'm so tired of looking at this water, and I'm so glad for the great change that's coming. All the world's Messiahs are dead, Mohammed, Buddha, Confucius. Uh, we don't visit the graves of dead Messiahs. Some say that the sepulchre they point out over in uh, Jerusalem is the one. I don't know, but uh, anyway, he's not in it. No mortal can with him compare among the sons of men. Fairer is he than all the fair who fill the heavenly train. He is the everlasting contemporary and uh, he forever is. As he is, so are we. You mean us? Us folks here tonight? Yes. Like him, not in degree, but in kind. Uh, We are partakers of his nature if we've been saved. And doesn't say, that uh, so shall we be, or so may we be, it says, so are we, right here in this meeting tonight. In a Christian, Christ lives again. To me to live is Christ, not for Christ or like Christ, so much as Christ liveth in me. Position, condition both, it ought to be. But you say, I don't see many people that remind me of Jesus. You've been looking at too many church members. You will not find much resemblance in the majority of them. Uh, most of them are the church babies, you know. We ought to have two uh, nurseries in the church, one for the little babies, the big one for the 40-year-olds and over, who are the worst babies of all. They cause more trouble than anybody else. They don't like the preacher. They say, don't like him. He changed my formula. Well, babies would talk that way. What a boy needs is simply food, rest, and exercise. And that's all a Christian needs. Feed on the Word, rest in the Lord, and exercise yourself in the governance. Grow up, my little children, of whom I travail in birth again till Christ be formed in you. As he is, so are we. If only we'd just be what we are. That's what a revival is when Christians start being what they are. In Jesus Christ. And we are that in this world of all places. Uh, I, some people say, well, if if we're the light of the world, why is it so dark? And if we're the soul of the earth, why is everything so rotten as it is everywhere? Well, you have a right to ask that. Uh, we're not seeing world conversion. You're not going to. The Bible doesn't say the world's going to be converted. It says it ought to be evangelized, not going to be Christianized. Folks will go, I heard a missionary somewhere, I don't know where, said that the world ought to be converted by the end of this century. Well, we wish it could be, but that's not exactly the way it's going to work out. But uh, remember that we're the soul, and uh, we're not in a soul cellar for exhibition. We've been put in a soul shaker for distribution. And he wants to... Uh, Shake us into the carcass of this decaying civilization. And then he says, as he is, so are we. Not just in church, not very difficult to look pious on Sunday morning. Everybody else, more or less, is trying to. Not just in some favored spot, in seclusion, far from the madding crowd's ignoble strife, some Shangri-La with some guru groaning out platitudes but in the foul, polluted, perverted Sodom and Gomorrah we're living in. That's where we're to be this kind of Christian. The old rat race, the old salt mines every day in the week. We're supposed to be, as God's people, on the way to promotion the world to come. His servants shall serve him there. I'm glad he says this. This world's a boot camp and we're training here. But we're not headed for a glorified vacation forever. I wouldn't want to sit on a cloud and pluck a harp all through eternity. Who'd want to do that? It says his servants shall serve him there. Jesus lived here 30 odd years and as he was in that sense, so will it be with us. John 17 tells us that Jesus said we're saved out of this world. We're still in the world, but we're not of the world but well, we've been saved out of the world to go right back into the world to win other people out of the world. And that's the only business we have in this world. Now, if you get all that together, you're located, friend. That's what Jesus said about it. I said, let me walk in the fields." I grew up in the woods. Some people think I never come out. But uh, I said, let me walk in the fields." He said, no, live in the town. I said, there are no flowers there. He said, no flowers but a crown. I said, but the sky is dark and there's nothing but noise and din. And he wept as he sent me back. There's more, he said, there's sin. I don't like living in motels and having to move through this old world like it is today. And I don't like a lot that goes with what I'm doing that I have to do. But uh, I, that's, that's what he sent me to do. And because this is the kind of world that it is, I need to be as he is in it. And that means i must woke as he woke. He had a hard time down here, beloved. What kind of a time are you having in this world as this world? Grumbling about it all the time. Well, that won't do much. There is no culture, there has never been a culture since Christianity began in which a true Christian could feel at home. Now, if you're at home in this culture, maybe it is because you belong to it. You feel at home, that doesn't disturb you very much. Uh, He left us a legacy and a heritage, Colossians 1.24. And we're to know him and his, Paul said, to have a double ambition, to know him and the uh, power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and conformity to his death. Oh, I've been preaching a long time, and I get weary of seeing the service start off as so often it does in so many churches with a well-fed, well-clothed, well-housed congregation of comfortable Americans singing to the old rugged cross, I'll ever be true. It's shame and reproach. Gladly bear, Gladly on top of everything else. And that bothers me because uh, uh, that wasn't the way it started. Didn't say we'd all be a success. He had a hard time down here. This world's not my home. It's no friend of grace to help us on to God. It's not kindly disposed toward us. And don't forget that he did not say, I'm sending you out as white sheep among black sheep. Sending you as sheep among wolves, and that's what they are of themselves. No friend of grace. If the world hates you, remember, he said that it hated me. There's one verse in John. John said more about the world than anybody else in the Bible. Wouldn't you think that gentle soul would not say so much about the world? Again and again and again. It's full of that word. And he says, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I've called you out of the world. Number five, therefore the world thinks you wonderful. No, the world hates you. you know anything about that? That's what he said. Uh, If you want to find out what the attitude of this world culture today is toward Jesus Christ, it's not getting any better. They'd crucify him if he came back, if they could. Let's get located with where we are and where this is to be done. Uh, How did he get along in this world? Well, uh, what did they call him? A stone of stumbling, a rock of offense that came not to send peace but a sword. I came to divide families, he said, and he's divided more families than everybody else that ever has lived. That's what he said. And uh, they were offended in him. He created a crisis everywhere he went. He offended the religionists. Strain out a gnat and swallow a camel, he said. in That ironic, red-hot 23rd chapter of Matthew by Billy Sunday never preached with more of irony and all the rest of it than my Lord himself in that marvelous chapter. <laughs> uh, every once in a while you meet that individual who says, well, I, I think Jesus did a wonderful work. And I'm for churches, of course. I'm in favor of church. And of course, he probably is a member of one because it's a nice thing to belong to. Looks good on the obituary when you're dead. And he said, but I'm not going all out now on religion. He's not going to do that. I take an understanding." Well, you know, I feel like saying to him, if you're not going all out, you might as well stay out. Because Jesus made it stern. If you don't forsake loved ones and everything else, if you're right-handed, then you cut it off. Deal with anything that hinders your loyalty to Jesus Christ. Uh, I get tired of this uh, prosperity gospel going around. Now, be a Christian, you'll be a millionaire. Oh, you get rich quick at that. It's... Uh, Horatio Alger, oh, you older folks remember, don't you? The little Horatio Alger books you read, the boys did especially. And the boy starts out and works in the shop and falls in love with the boss, his daughter, marries her and they live happily ever thereafter. Wonderful, only it doesn't happen very often. And didn't then, for that matter. But we have it today, and such folks forget what it says in Hebrews. Some did all these, marched over all kinds of opposition, but some didn't get along so well. Some were even sewn asunder. Never try to imagine what dying must be like under those circumstances. Some didn't get along so well. We don't like it like that. I get weary of this positive preaching. They tell us not to do any negative preaching today. I believe in giving them both guns, barrels of the gun, because they're both in the Word of God. I get weary of this. There was a young man from Kilpekin whose nose was as red as a beacon but by saying it's white thirty times day and night he cured it and died an archdeacon I don't believe in it it doesn't make sense in my book I'm afraid that we've got a lot of dear folks today who want the medals but they don't want the scars Amy Carmichael summed it up as nobody else has in her matchless prose and this is Uh, Poetry, I guess. No hidden scar on foot or side or hand. I hear thee sung as mighty in the land. I hear them hail thy bright ascendant star. Uh, Yet as the master shall the servant be, and pierced are the feet that follow me, yet thine are whole. Can he have followed far who has no wound? No scar. How many scars can you show in the service of the Lord? There's a song, a newer song, out about these folks who want to sit at the table, but they don't want to work out in the field. Uh, that's very true. They go to the Lord's Supper, but you never catch them doing any work, really, for the Lord anywhere. What has supposed to have been a fundamental has become incidental, and uh, we've moved from experience to performance for majoring on the minor and minoring on the major. I think of a dear brother who got into one of these dry, dead, though, dismal, desolate church services time ago. He got up and went clear to the back and got between two benches and said, Lord, this can't be it. You didn't die and rise again for this. We've got a right to expect more than this. And My heart goes out to that preacher and they get disconsolate sometimes over it who went up and put me there it was doxology invocation number so and so on down the line <laughs> like always said Lord do something this morning that's not on this piece of paper I felt like that many a time I, I like that uh, wonderful old poem So Send I You but do you know they've dropped that one today in favor of a gentler uh, uh, imitation it's nothing wrong in the one they're singing now It's all right, true, but you got no punch to it. This thing costs you every blessed thing you've got. To labor unrewarded, to serve unpaid, unsold, unknown. To bear rebuke, to suffer scorn and scoffing. So send I you to toil for me alone and all through verse after verse. So send I you to hearts made hard by hatred. To eyes made blind because they will not see. To spend though it be blood, to spend and spare not. So send I you the taste of Calvary. I asked Cliff Barrett some time ago. I said, Cliff, how come? How come they changed this for a gentler theme now? And it's been written up in a different way. It doesn't require much of you. I asked Martha Brandon, who sings for First Baptist Church in Dallas and who was with me in Virginia Beach singing in meetings. And I said, how do you get that? And I asked a number of others. And they all didn't give me, they, they didn't uh, give me an out and out. Uh, personal, I said, a little touchy, and the, the new copy is good stuff. But why? What's wrong with the way this is phrased? But the consensus was, the average church member today wouldn't understand what in this world you're singing about. Any of any of these verses, they don't know anything about all this. They say well, that's uh, re- Christian rhetoric. That's Bible rhetoric, I suppose. Nice. Sounds good, but what does he expect us to do? And uh, the, the church that turned this world upside down, it cost them. Constantine came along and became a church member. Everybody started joining the church. And he started out to Christianize paganism and ending up almost paganizing Christianity. You know that's history. And the church upset the world in the early days, but they didn't do it by hand. Hiring a liaison man in Jerusalem. They didn't do it by setting up a lobby in the capital. But they did it by a faithful few on fire. The three F's. You give me a crowd like that today, and they'd do it again. So my Lord says, before Abraham was, I am, I'm still here. And he's still here now, able to do what he said he could do then it cost these people out of the five leading characters in the New Testament four died violent deaths God didn't say to Paul now you've been faithful so I'm going to let you retire now build yourself a little cottage on the Riviera and write your memoirs <laughs> have sat around waiting to have his head chopped off James Peter Jesus said, you dressed and went where you wanted to when you started out, but you're going to be led around where you don't want to go one of these days. This speaking of the big church he was to get and the big salary and how he'd be elevated in the denomination and so on. No. Not exactly what it will cost to suffering, what you must suffer for my sake. And Paul sent word "Man, I, or the Lord sent word Bible to Paul and said, uh, I want you to know what you're going to suffer, not how you're going to be promoted. And that dear man learned plenty of that. So, I'm not inviting people to a, a cheerful, a gay time in the service of the Lord. If we really follow Jesus, not only as we ought to as Savior and Lord, but as our life to me, and live, is Christ, but it makes dying a paying proposition. To die is gain. Do you realize tonight, dear friends, that as He is, that's the way you are tonight. Don't get complacent about it. We ought to get troubled about it sometimes. And I thank God that that applies to the uppermost and to the outermost and to the uttermost and to the guttermost, no matter. In Greensboro, I had a friend to there in the University head of the Literature Department, a uh, man of high education, Harvard man, but not a Christian. His wife prayed for 35 years and he'd get saved. Never went to church. One night he got saved, all of a sudden, in his own room upstairs. Came down the steps and said to his wife, I'm going to church with you tonight. <laughs> she nearly fainted because she'd been praying for 30-odd years to get saved. Became a deacon in the First Baptist Church. We'd go out and eat together. I liked to write, and he did. Wonderful fellowship. Childlike in his faith. Brilliant as he was. Now why, I asked him, did anybody in all those years ever speak to you about Jesus Christ? No. Were they afraid he was so brilliant that no use tackling him? I'm glad the Lord went to him. Nobody else would. The Lord went in the middle of the night and had a meeting with him, and he got saved. So it goes, beloved, and it's a bit discouraging sometimes. But God can save that crowd, but I can go to the other end of the ladder too. I'm going up to uh, a Bible conference in Maryland beginning Monday, the Lord willing. And I know who's going to come down there to see me. It's going to be a remarkable character. And I said last time, first time I saw him, 300 pounds of him in beard, huge. Wanted me to pray with him. Wanted to walk with him. I didn't know much about him. You know, I said, Lord, I, I don't know who this is. Is he all right? You know? And uh, I tried to tread a little bit tenderly, and I got a little more information. We got over to a meeting, however, and they knew him, They asked him to lead in prayer. And after that, I said, he's all right. He's done that before. Now, he went all the way to Chicago to hear me speak in the Conrad Hilton ballroom to... Uh, we weren't having the ball that night. Thank God we took over and the devil didn't have it that night celebrating Old Pacific Garden Mission 105th Anniversary. We had a wonderful thing. He, this fellow now runs a mission in uh, Pennsylvania, and they sent him all the way there, and his wife. She'd had to leave him. His life was awful before he got saved. Simply awful. You name it, he'd done it. But she came back to him, and they came the first ones to meet me, and I introduced him to the whole crowd who was proud of him. And that made him feel good. And they've uh, ordained him to preach and he's had an education somewhere back up the line because his letters prove that. And you know what? He liked this sermon above all others and then his stationery that he uses it to missionary, he's got spread clear across every page. As he is, so are we in this world. It meant something to him because he hadn't always been like that. And I I wonder, how much do we know about this today, beloved? Or do do folks feel like he's, he's being lived over again in us? You know when revival will come? It'll come when church members, professing Christians, break down in tears and confession of sin and getting right going to see each other husbands and wives husband or wife walking into the kitchen maybe some morning taking the other by surprise by saying dear I've not been living much like a Christian in the last while I'm ashamed of myself I want you to forgive me it might be either one might be both let them kneel on the kitchen floor and start a revival I've been talking here about kindling wood and God's trying to get that's the way he gets it started or maybe somebody that you, you, you're not right with. Anybody here tonight, fundamentalist, yes, and all like that? At a Bible conference, there's somebody you don't like, you don't care who knows it, and you express yourself. And Jesus said, you bring your dollar, uh, your pocketbook, your offering to church, and remember that somebody's got all against you. didn't say whose fault it was. You know. Hang on to your offering until you get right with your brothers." That sure would ruin a lot of orphans on Sunday morning. Some churches. You'd be surprised how many folks mad at somebody. And some of them run around to psychiatrists and doctors because of am having nervous trouble. Not, it's not, it's really devil trouble because back of all that, you never have got right with somebody. And doctors will tell you that uh, that confessor in your mind and heart and create conditions that are do make you sick. That's a known fact. Some folks need to get rid of all their unloved, their unforgiving spirit. (laughs) They get better all over. Because nothing hurts so much as an ill spirit and an evil heart. So that's the way. When we see enough of that going on down Church Isle some Sunday morning, (laughs) I wonder sometimes how long is it going to be. I've seen it a couple of times in my life. Gary, Indiana, Central Baptist Church. I've seen it in several others, where we about ready to give up the invitation. And I remember once in Gary, yes. Well, nobody's coming again. I said, we're saying one more verse. And then God said, well, we're going to take over this time. And from every part of that place, they came. We couldn't find a place for it. Never saw anything like it. And elsewhere, though, God has visited. But not until the Spirit of God got in there and stirred up conviction of sin. And one man walked down one aisle, turn to face the people, say, I want to confess the ungodly things I've said about our former pastor. Boy, you don't hear that much. That's a pretty good sign that the Lord was at work. When I was a boy and they had missionaries come to old Corinth Baptist Church, oh, I liked to see them come. They'd always bring some elephant tusks or something like that, you know, for where they'd been. And it was wonderful to go. That's about all I understood about it at that time. But as I grew up, I didn't go to a church where they believed in the gospel. They didn't know much about it as they should, but it began to dawn on me that we're all missionaries. Somehow it doesn't get in our system. What would happen? Some preachers work at it and have pretty good success at getting a lot of their members, to. but they have to put the pressure on, the pressure on to go see somebody. And you can get for a folks' workshop, you can put on a supper and have a lot of things, and get them stirred up enough that they will just to make you feel good, give you a fat shake, maybe do church visitation, but still the same at heart. That's not going to do it. But when there's a brokenness of heart before God, and you can start it in your heart and in your home maybe, something's going to happen. That's the best way to prepare. We're missionaries. You don't have to go to Bangkok or somewhere else to be a missionary be one In Boston, you'd be one right here. We are one. But all through the week, as the preacher here the first part of this week made clear to us, that's the weak spot. We do pretty well religiously on Sunday, then goodbye to the next Sunday. We don't do much of it. I fail myself. I confess. I'm not much of a mixer. I can sit all day on a plane, never speak to anybody. I'd have made a good Hindu Now, I have a rough time. This old mouth wants to shut up because I want to sit by myself all the time. And I, I'm, not, I'm not holding myself up, but I'm saying I am convicted about it again and again. I know I got it. You don't always want to do that. But stir yourself up to do the will of God and you'll find that when you do, there'll come a blessing you never dream of. The people that have come to me over this place in the last few days, it melts my heart. I want to thank you from this stance this evening for something that happened maybe here or somewhere else years and years and years ago way back up the road in my minister and I'd forgotten about where it was when it was anything about Do you remember being so and so no well I was there and you were there and something happened that's the best payoff you don't have to be a preacher to have that that's the payoff that is missions as well as going abroad God, help us to be good at both ends of the line. Now, Father, help us remember that as he is, thank God, as he is, so are we right here, this evening in this place, in this old world. Wicked as it is, Lord, we have a glorious privilege, but we have a tremendous responsibility. And it's only possible to meet that challenge by the grace of God. Bless these words spoken to thy glory and to the good of us all. In Jesus' name, amen.